Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Okay, so if you listen to this podcast or if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how important it is to be talking to people. You know how I feel about connection and you know that I truly believe that making sure you talk about things and have connection with somebody and somebody to be able to talk things through with is one of the most important things that you can do for your mental health, especially right now. For so many people, it feels like there's something new to grapple with or deal with or think about every single day. And I truly believe that taking care of your mental health is a necessity, but it shouldn't break the bank. So Talkspace is an online therapy. It lets you connect with a licensed therapist for a fraction of the price of in-person therapy. Match with your perfect therapist from the comfort of your device and reach out 24-7, especially during those times when you're feeling like you're all alone. This is going to remind you that you're not. 
So it's affordable. It's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And let me tell you, I know so many of my friends who have had therapists, who are getting therapists, or who are doing Talkspace. And now Talkspace covers 40 million people for online therapy through their insurance or employer. You guys, we all need someone to talk to. And Talkspace wants to give us the support we deserve at a price we can afford. Match with your perfect therapist at Talkspace.com or by downloading the Talkspace app. And don't forget to use promo code Lori. That's Lori, all caps, L-O-R-I, at checkout for $100 off your first month. That's $100 off your first month at Talkspace.com. Promo code Lori. And when I look at it, if I can just identify what are my A and B level activities, what are my D level activities, my goal is how can I create a time structure that blocks out D time so that I can have A and B moments. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is David Finkel. He is the author of The Freedom Formula and co-author of Scale, Seven Proven Principles to Grow Your Business and Get Your Life Back. He is one of the nation's most respected business thinkers, a Wall Street Journal and Business Week bestselling author of 12 business books. David's a regular columnist for Inc.com, FastCompany.com, and Forbes.com, reaching over 1 million readers each year. Over the past 20 years, David and the Maui coaching and advisor team have scaled and sold over $62 billion of businesses. Maui Mastermind helps business owners build companies they love owning again. So for the value they create, the lives they touch, the profits they earn, the team they employ, and the freedom they get to enjoy. Their clients have enjoyed an average annual growth rate five times higher than the average privately held company, while at the same time reducing their company's reliance on them as the owners by an average of 191%. He's an ex-Olympic level athlete turned business multimillionaire. David and his wife, Heather, and their three sons live a very simple life in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You guys, I loved this episode. You know that I am so into talking about business while also being able to preserve your life. So if you have big dreams about business, but you're scared because maybe you won't be able to live the life that you want or really truly feel you know fulfilled and be able to take care of yourself, you have to listen to this episode because David is going to share how it is possible. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Oh, pleasure, Lori. I'm really happy to be here. So you have 
one of my favorite topics, and this is actually what my husband and I love to talk about and also do, is to help people grow and scale their business. But I was really excited to talk with you because you love to help people grow and scale their business without sacrificing their life. So can you tell me a little bit about why this became your focus? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I built a, an early company. Well, actually, the first company I failed. I want to be clear on that. I, I haven't had a perfect track record. Second company I scaled and the third company I scaled and I sold both of those companies and it did well. I was in my mid-30s and I, I did those first two companies that worked by working really hard, um, you know, on the road, traveling two, three weeks out of a month, um, working 60, 70, 80 hours. And, and toward the end, I, I started getting burned out and thinking, this is not the way to do that. And, and probably the epiphany for me happened in 2009, my first two sons were born. I've got three sons and they were born. And I, I, I just, it was no longer an option to work that way. I, I kind of set it as a thinking of like an astronaut who has a certain limitation of consumables. I said, I'm going to work 40 hours or less per week. I'm going to take 10 weeks of vacation every year, of real vacation, not just working from a pretty spot. And with those as the limitations, as constraints, I went about how do I design the business? How do I design how I do work to do that? And then over the last 15 years, I've just been using uh, all the work that I do with clients on the coaching side just to see how can they replicate their own way. Different people want to work different amounts. For me, that works great. There are people out there that's too much. There are other people who say, if I can't work more, I, I go crazy. Mm. For me, that works. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's kind of where all good things come from. And that's when you're forced into figuring things out. <laughs> For sure. It's amazing what, what a little bit of necessity and a little bit of, of motivation that way, when you have a line in the sand that says you, you need to figure it out. It's amazing how creative we can become. So I think for some people, and I know even for me hearing this, it's like in the beginning, I have this, I have this theory that sometimes in the beginning you, it's like, it's almost hard to break through the atmosphere without going to extremes, without spending that extreme amount of time. So what, what can you help us with if we're in the beginning of our business and it just feels like if you don't do it and you don't get it done, then it's not going to get done. It's not going to get done right. You know, there's the one of the things I, I, I think is really important is to make a distinction. This is probably the core of what I wrote in the freedom formula, which was there's two economies in the world. There's the, the time and effort economy where people are getting paid for effort and hours and for attitude. And I think a lot of business people early on um, think that that's the way that they're creating value by, by working really hard. But that's really not true at all. Mm. We all live in the value economy. We get paid. Our business generates profit, not based on hours and effort, but based on value created. And this is a good thing. This is good news. There are some things that hold me back into the time and effort economy, but but if I can recognize I'm getting paid and, and my business is getting paid to create value, now I can start recognizing that not all activities create the same amount of value. And, and, I'll, and I'll share a distinction I think is really important. Now, Lori, a lot of people know about the Pareto's principle, is 80-20 rule, but we can, we can take that to its most productive extreme. So if, if 20% of what I do gives me 80% of the result, that 80-20 that part, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll call the 80% D time. It's very low value. It's the 80% junk that gives me 20% of the value. And C time is that, that 20% that gives me 80% of the value. Well, if I apply the same math again, then 20% of that 20% gives me 80% of the 80%. We'll call that sweet spot 
B time. And that the math works out to be 4% in gives me 64% of my result. And, and if you bear with me for one more math moment, it, 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 <laughs> what that looks out like, you know, that 20% of the 20% of the 20%, that magic 1% input generates half the result. And we call that A time. And, and when I look at it, if I can just identify what are my A and B level activities, what are my D level activities, my goal is how can I create a time structure that blocks out D time so that I can have A and B moments. Hmm. And if I can do that consistently, I can create and grow a company 20%, 50%, 100%, 500%. But I can do that not by through you know, effort, hours, and, and, and just sheer guts, but I can do that with some intelligence. And that's the difference. Mm. So is that what you first did? You sat down and just really looked at where your time was going. And then how did you know what to take action on first? Did you hire someone? What were your, what are, what are the first steps for people in those, you know, beginning phases, or maybe they've been, you know, burning the candle at both ends and they're ready to do this type of thing? Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to ask them what's causing the behavior of working so hard. And I think for most people, it generally boils down to what I'll call, it's a medical condition called control-itis, the inflammation <laughs> of your control gland. And, and I get it. I'm a control freak, Lori. I am. Yes. But if I can't... as well. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. I'm a good company. If I can't fight that, if I can't deal with that urge, then I realize that what that is, is it's me feeling a scared or uncomfortable with being out of control. But that mm-hmm. aside, the simplest starting point here to entering into the value economy is to start off by doing something I call focus days and push days. So I, I pick one day of the week to start with. Let's say I pick Tuesday and I, I put on my calendar as a recurring block, a focus block, two, three, four hours every Tuesday. So maybe it's nine o'clock to 1130, a two and a half hour block every Tuesday. That's my, that's my focus day. Every other day is a push day. I'm just getting the, the job of what I need to get done. And on every push day, I block off one hour of focus time. So all I'm really blocking off is I'm changing how I go about six hours, eight hours of time every week. And I block those out first. And if I do that, those five, six, seven hours of time I blocked off, I can do all the rest of my time however I want. But if I do those five or six hours, where during those time, I, I use those blocks of my best attention to focus on my A and B level work, that's where I can create some magic. So once I block that off, and it has to be a recurring appointment, if I don't put it on the calendar as a recurring appointment, you, you could almost guarantee it won't happen. Mm. Um, and I make a joke with clients. I, I was talking to one of my clients and I was saying to her, you know, show, me your, show me your phone. And she's, what do you mean, show me your phone? I said, well, you just mentioned to me that you feel out of, a little bit out of whack where you're not getting stuff done. You're getting pulled in a thousand directions. Show me your phone. And it turned out didn't have focus time blocked mm-hmm. off on there. Funny how that would be. Mm-hmm. And then the second step just goes straight to writing down what are your A and B level activities. And, and generally speaking, there, everybody has a few things that they do that create the most value. It's almost never the direct production of their product or service. So for example, let's say you've got Cheryl who's listening to this and she runs a business where she's doing a service. Um, some kind of uh, uh, of um, service that for a homeowner, for example, or service for a professional uh, firm. Well, she thinks doing the service is where she creates the most value, and it almost never is. Generally speaking, doing the product or service that you you sell, the fulfillment of that's usually C time at best. The 
the creation of it, the decision about um, who to sell it to, the selling of it, the getting a second person who can sell it, um, the marketing of it, that's probably A or B time, depending for an early stage or a middle stage entrepreneur, almost never the direct fulfillment. And most people don't really have a clear understanding of, is this A or B? Don't worry early on. If it's A or B, we know it's qualitatively a magnitude more valuable than, than C or D. And the D stuff is easy. It's the, the junk stuff we escape into or the junk stuff we feel we have to do for other people. Mm-hmm. But we know in our heart of hearts, it really doesn't create the value. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I can look clearly back at all the different businesses that I have been in and all of the time that I've spent in C and D Mm. Um, as a form of escaping. And also just like sometimes, sometimes when you don't feel, you can almost feel like you're not doing enough, like your work that, that very focused work, because it doesn't necessarily require a ton of time. It's almost like you feel like you should fill time sometimes as a like new entrepreneur. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you're just I do. Like, like I feel guilty almost like, yeah. gosh, I'm not doing enough. Like I should be doing more yet. I shouldn't be doing more. I should be doing less, but the less I do should matter a whole lot more. Yeah. Even just saying that out loud and hearing you say that makes so much sense. I'm actually um, starting a new company right now. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm doing the most important things, but I finished it. Like, I think we can get so addicted to the busyness and that's what burns us out. And then we're not creative for the things that are the most important. It's remarkable. For me, I, I used to be a night owl since kids no longer, but there'll come a time around three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And I, I, I spot myself. I know I'm not doing anything valuable. I'm, yep. I call it one pacing. I'm just going through the motions. And for years I would stay there and grind it out thinking this is what I'm supposed to do. Yep. Nowadays, if I'm at that point, I just leave. I'll go for a walk. I'll go home and play with my kids. You know, my wife and I will, will, will have a, you know, a nice moment together. I'm not doing anything valuable anyways. Might as well enjoy life more and I'll come back refreshed and I'll do more things more valuable the next day. Mm. It's, it's, I think it's so great for people to hear this and even for myself as a reminder and just that's pretty much what we've been doing the past couple of years, but there's still that part of you that can actually trick yourself and be like, I should be doing more, especially when you start, you know, another new venture or project. And this is like such perfect timing for me. And I know for so many people listening as well, because of that importance of the recharge, can you just uh, talk on that for just a little bit, especially if you are the person kind of running the creative side or marketing or, you know, uh, um, really understanding who your customer is or learning how to pull in more customers that are perfect for you. Yeah. I'll share with you my favorite way of growing a business. I I use this with coaching clients all the time. So Lori, what we do is we ask the question to our client. We say, hey, what's the single biggest limiting factor in your business? The the one current constraint to growth. And usually it's something like I need more leads or my conversion's not working or I have plenty of business there, but I don't have enough capacity. I'm turning business away. So they, they list their single biggest current constraint to growth, the one thing over the next three to six months, their short-term limiting factor. And when we've identified it, we do a sweet spot analysis. This is a wonderful tool. So I, I brainstorm 10, 15, 20 different ideas to push that limiting factor back. So for example, 
if it was lead conversion as my big my big challenge point, I'd say, okay, I could hire a salesperson. I could script out the sale. I could create a sales video. I could do a better direct mail piece. I could hire a copywriter. And I put all these ideas down. Mm-hmm. And I put them through two filters. The first filter we call low-hanging fruit. Is this easy to do with a high likelihood of working? So I go to every idea. Is this a low-hanging fruit? Is this a low-hanging fruit? And if it is, I put a little LH by the idea. And then in a second separate pass, and that's pretty important, Lori. I don't want to look, do it at the same time. I do it as a separate pass. Mm-hmm. I ask, is it a home run? And a home run means if this works, will it have a big impact? Is this a home run? Is this a home run? And what I look for is any idea that's both low-hanging fruit and a home run by definition is my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And that's what I choose to do. And if I have more than one sweet spot, great. I pick one because it's a great high leverage place by definition. It's easy to do, high likelihood of working, and it's going to have a big impact. That's what I focus in on. And and one way of growing a business is every quarter I step back and ask, what's my current limiting factor? And how do I push that limiting factor back? And I do it quarter by quarter by quarter. It's a great way to to make in a very concrete way growing a business tangible and and much more straightforward. Mm-hmm. So you talk a lot about growing and scaling and you know really trying to figure out your end goal. Do you work backwards with people to see, you know, so what I'm trying to ask is when people have a really large goal and sometimes it can feel like are you telling me that I can actually live a balanced life if I'm thinking of selling this massive company for x amount is my goal like how do you take that and you know put it into kind of bite-sized pieces where you can then see what your just everyday life will look like with yeah. more balance and structure it's a great question and and it reminds me I'll come back to an idea of three questions that one of my mentors Stephanie Harkness of a phenomenal businesswoman shared with me that that really changes how I evaluate things. But directly hear what you say. I, I would start with this. I, certainly, I think about the big picture. You know, what is it the over the next three years, five years that we're looking to build? But I need to bridge that. That big picture goal. It, you can't do it. It, it. it. You can't behave it day to day. So instead, what I use is I use a quarterly plan. Because a rolling 90-day plan, if I can do this, and we do it with clients as one page, a one-page quarterly plan is a wonderful bridge between this big picture goal, you know, build a, a $25 million a year company and sell it for you know, $25 million or whatever the, the goal might be, and, and the day-to-day, week-to-week execution. And so what we what I would recommend is you, you start and just ask yourself, what are the one, two, or three focus areas this quarter? The things that are are most important in the business where I want to put my discretionary time. Let's face it, for an early stage or a middle stage company, 70, 80% of what the business owner does is already spoken for. You know, she doesn't have the discretion for it. She's gonna to have to do what the business needs. Mm-hmm. But there is some choice with 20 or 30%. And where I invest that 20 and 30% is what gives me growth or what traps me in the business. And so I, I ask, what am I going to do? My limiting factor is one place to look at. Uh, seizing my biggest opportunity might be another place to look at. Mitigating my single biggest risk might be another place. And I, I ask, you know, for example, if lead conversion was the issue, I'd say, okay, what, what's the criteria of success? After 90 days, what will I concretely have done? 
in this area of the business. I'll have you know, a, a, a proven sales letter that generates at least a, a, a 10% or better conversion. Um, I'll have mapped out my conversion funnel on my website, all, wh- whatever they might be. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I can put in my action steps and milestones. And all I need to do at the beginning of each week is I pull out my action plan. It's one page. It's easy to take in at a glance. And I ask myself, what are the key steps I need to do this quarter on the action steps and milestones I've set up here? And I already have time, car- time carved out. I've got my focus time. I've got five or six hours every week that I can use that are discretionary. I've blocked into my calendar and, and I can do that. And I, I think that's one big important way. The second one is I've got to give up some control. Specifically, I've got to start letting other people own functional areas of responsibility. Most people who are earlier middle stage business owners, they, they're really good at giving tasks. You know, I ask Judy to do this. I ask Rosario to do that. But everything comes back to the owner who's directing everything. Mm-hmm. And what I would encourage is how can you give a, a responsibility that they own over time versus just task by task by task? And if I can start to slowly hand off bit by bit the things that are lower value for me to do so that I can save my time and probably the first key hire is an assistant, whether mm-hmm. it's full or part-time, whether it's on-site or virtual, um, that's probably the most important first hire. That's why we talked about it in chapter two of the book. But as you, as you go forward with that, I can start to hand off other pieces. And again, quarter by quarter, I chip away at doing those things that create the most value with just my discretionary time while I use my massive time to keep the business going forward. You know, I've got to, I've got to make some sales. I've got to produce my product or service for whoever bought it from me. You guys, I'm so excited to share this news with you. I just got to shoot the cover of Strong Fitness Magazine. I've been a longtime lover and a longtime reader of this magazine. And this is a huge honor because it's the boss issue. It's the power issue. It's all about how having discipline and motivation to work out translates to the principles of entrepreneurship as well. So Strong Fitness Magazine is a national women's health and fitness publication committed to motivate, educate, and empower women to live their healthiest, happiest lives. In addition to workouts and fitness, they also report on the latest and most important issues impacting women's physical and mental health. In every issue, you're going to get recipes, you're going to get nutrition advice, and it's going to allow you to enjoy a balanced lifestyle without dieting because who doesn't love to eat? You guys, I'm starting an alcohol company. That says a lot. The content in each issue is curated to keep you motivated and inspired, sharing powerful stories of real-life women from all walks of life who've overcome difficult obstacles through resilience with the help of fitness. At Strong, they celebrate that all women possess strength. So I've partnered with them to make sure that you get a discount on your subscription. So to subscribe and receive this November, December 2020 issue featuring myself with this article all about fitness and entrepreneurship and how they share the same lane, you're going to want to go to strongfitnessmag.com forward slash Lori Harder and use the promo code GETLORI, G-E-T-L-O-R-I, all caps, to save $3 on your subscription. Subscribing means that you receive this copy to your mailbox so you can avoid the stores and you'll get it before it hits newsstands. So you'll also 
save 50% off the newsstand price. So right now, all you have to do is go to strongfitnessmag.com forward slash Lori Harder. Use the promo code GETLORI, all caps, G-E-T-L-O-R-I to save $3 on your subscription and 50% off of the newsstand price. For real, you are going to want to grab this because I'm sharing all about how everything that you've learned about fitness also applies to launching that business. You are so much stronger than you think. You got to start that business, girl. I always talk about how your comeback rate is so important. It's not about failing, but it's about how quickly you can come back from the failures and take those lessons. And let me tell you, if you're in charge of hiring for your company, it should be in every single job description. So whether you're ready to make an important hire or you need some rehiring tips, Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And let me tell you, with all of the entrepreneurs that we work with, we know that you need to hire fast when you're growing fast or if you want to grow fast. So unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners of Earn Your Happy a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it faster. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash happy. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to indeed.com slash happy. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. So we uh, work with a lot of early stage entrepreneurs. And I think one of the biggest things I'd love for you to talk to is sometimes I think our, potentially our expectation of even when we first uh, start hiring our team or hiring an assistant, I, what, if you've never owned a business before, or you, yeah, if this is, you know, the first time you are hiring team, sometimes we don't realize that the beginning of hiring can actually be the most challenging time, especially if it's a business where you don't know what people's exact positions are going to be and what they are going to be capable of doing. So can you tell us about that sort of challenging time when you're first hiring uh, people and you have to be training them and taking all of this extra time and all of a sudden it actually feels like more work? Um, <laughs> yes, 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 it does. Absolutely. Let's make it concrete. Let's, let's say you're hiring your first key person, which is your, your assistant for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know the big thing with hiring that people get it wrong is they're not clear on who they actually need to hire. They kind of do it with a little bit of gut and intuition versus thinking through who do I need to do some specific role? So for an assistant, I ask, what are my must-haves? What are the, the four or five things that are non-negotiable? So for example, uh, I've learned over the years, I've had uh, you know, over a dozen assistants over the last 25 years. 
um, that I can't hire a nervous assistant. Mm. I, I need someone who can handle a little bit of ambiguity because I don't like spelling things out so concretely and completely for an assistant. I'd rather sketch it out, let them figure it out from there. And I, I know that I have to hire for somebody who's able and has proven to show that they can handle ambiguity and figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. I call it MacGyvering, right? Yeah. I, I know for me, I need to hire someone who's willing to do it in my style. So I delegate auditorily. I, I leave messages through an app. And I want to take in information visually by them typing it and sharing with me in an email or on a on Asana or one of the other apps that we use. So I know these things. So I get clear on that. Number two, when I'm doing the hiring from this part, um, with an assistant, here's one key thing. Part of your assistant's job should be building the system to be a world-class assistant for you so that if they're great, you can promote them. For example, my company COO, Teresa, over a decade ago, she started off as my assistant. Mm. And clearly, she was just too good to stay in that role. She was too bright, too ambitious. And so over time, she started then moving into operations. And then she ran operations. And now she pretty much runs everything. Um, So I can grow that role. But part of her initial role was to create the system to be my assistant. So her, her next person who filled in the role had a starting point that was further along, you know, the systems for how do I like my travel arranged and um, how do I want my calendar scheduled? Today, it's all very well decked out. And so Emily, who's one of two assistants I have right now, she has the benefit of all those things that years ago, Teresa started. Mm. And the key is a lot of business people think that, oh, I should be creating these systems for my assistant or for this first hire. No, when I meet with my assistant early on, I'll ask her, say, hit the record button on your phone. Let's go through it together. If we're doing it by web video conference, let's record. You turn this into a version 1.0 of the system for each of these things I'm training you on. Because let's face it, early on, you, it's really difficult to give them things to do because they don't have enough background to do those things. Right. So for the first month or two, when they record and start to systematize the pieces that I'm training them on, it, it actually gives them something meaningful to do. They learn it faster and I get valuable output even though they can't do something else. And I guess one last comment, which is I tell this to a lot of business people. Hey, David, I don't, I don't have time to have an assistant right now. It takes too much time to train or I'm training them, but I'm so busy keeping them busy. I can't get my stuff done. And I laugh. I say, well, what's the worst that could happen if you don't have them fully busy? It's okay to absorb an assistant over three months. Mm-hmm. And if they have some empty time, even if you're paying for it, your time is more valuable than an hour of their idle time. So if you've got other stuff to do, it's okay to absorb them slowly. The ideal is you know, start them off part-time and let them go into the role. But a lot of people who I might hire, they need full-time now. And if I've got a great person, I, I don't mind knowing that for the first month, two or three, there is going to be some inefficiencies or some downtime that they're not going to be able to fully use that is okay. But once you have that person on there and you start delegating to him or her, you will never not have enough to give to your assistant. I, I can promise you that. And I'm sure you've, you've had that experience yourself. Once you start having that support person, it's mm. like, how did I ever get, get by without this person before? Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. We've actually had so many um, different assistants and this is such a... There's you have so much insight here, so I'd love to ask you a question that I, I also hear a lot and that I have experienced is how do you know when 
it's on you if your assistant maybe isn't necessarily looking for what to do next. I guess a better question for you would be, how did you know with your assistant that you promoted to, who's now your COO, what were some of the signs um, for you that you knew that she was just somebody who had to be you know, promoted quickly? Yeah. So there are, there are three levels of an assistant. There's actually four, but I'll talk about three. Funny enough, of all the articles I've ever written for Inc. or other different business websites, one that still gets probably 20% of my article reads every month still is this article I wrote about the, the, the levels of a personal assistant. I laugh. I don't know how it <laughs> struck a nerve, but the first is a gopher, right? Yeah. You know, hey, please do this, do that. I just command and control. Second level is, is simply what I call an administrative assistant. You know, she's someone who's able to do admin that's discreetly, clearly defined tasks she can do well with. Um, and then you have an executive assistant. This is somebody who can take ambiguous, ambiguous situations in the, in the world of, of operations or admin and, and figure out those things. They're not going to be comfortable in other settings, but in those settings, they can do that. And so when I hire, I, I'm always hiring for somebody, even if I don't start them there because they still have to learn enough, I'm hiring someone who's got a track record that shows that they can figure stuff out. That for me is one of the things I value most in an assistant. And you know, a listener here, Lori, might say that that's not what I value most and that's fine. But for me, that's one thing I value most. So I, I look at that and then I ask a question. Is this person a role player or a growth player? And the difference is, a, a, a role player just wants to do their job and go home at the end of the day. I want to get good at it, but just let me not think about where I don't put me in new situations. I don't want to grow. I just want to do what I know how to do. And I've had some assistants who are really good at the role of assistant, but didn't want to go any further. Perfectly fine. As long as I identify it and as long as they're good at it. If they're subpar and they're a role player, I've got to replace them. Mm-hmm. A growth player is somebody who says, I do want to grow and keep you know, creating skills and new, new situations and new circumstances to, to expand my abilities and my capabilities. And how do I tell? It's not what they say. It's two things. How do they handle feedback? Growth players welcome feedback. They hunger for it. And they put it into practice when you give them feedback. A role player, they get defensive. They rationalize away when you give them feedback. They get uncomfortable with it. They avoid it. Um, and the other way I can tell is, do they want new situations? I, I test out assistants at various times by asking them to try something. For example, recently I was looking at some of these places to, to, to market some of our materials on some of these other platforms that I had never looked into, Coursera and some other ones. So I gave a, a simple assignment around that. Well, if it comes back and it's well done and the person takes this thing and really runs with it, that gives me an indication that they want to grow. If they do just what I've asked for, no more, haven't given any thought to it or procrastinate it because it's not so clearly formed, I know they're the wrong person. They're a, they're a role player. So I have to be careful about that. So once you have that realization, are you, you know, are you looking, are you letting someone go when you realize, oh, this is not the person for this job? Do you do it? I manage them differently. That's a great question, Lori. I I manage them differently. So if it's a role player and they're really good, I manage them for results, which means much clearer, much shorter conversations. You know, hey, um, Shirley, can you do this by this time, this way? Yes or no? She says yes. If it's a, a growth player, I don't do that. I oftentimes will, will manage them more for development. So I'll say, hey, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. How would you approach that? 
hmm, if I wasn't here, how would you handle it? Got it. That sounds great. Why don't you do it that way? So Mm -hmm. I'll ask more questions, take more time, give more of the why. But when I'm managing for just the result with with a role player, I just go straight to the bottom line. The person I won't stand for is a role player who's not good. I like role players who are great at what they do. We need them. But if they're not good and they don't want to grow, they can't stay with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, beautiful. I Okay, so I have questions around... Let's see. I'll, I'll see if I can keep this to two final questions. I'm not really sure that's going to happen. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how about when people have their business, maybe they've had it a few years and they just, they feel stuck. Like they don't know yeah. where to go. They kind of feel like they've reached their max and they, they, how do we start evaluating what that is in order to scale to the next level? Generally speaking, what causes people to have a business cap out is because the owner is doing too many different things. And this seems strange, but mm-hmm. the, the businesses that we've helped scale, one of the indications that it's a successful business and that you're growing as a business owner is you actually do fewer different things, Mm. but the things that you do have more importance for the business. So when I first got started in business, I did 75 different things every week. Yeah. Today, I do four things every week, but those four things matter a heck of a lot. And then I might have another 10 or 15 that are kind of low value or, or more kind of ad hoc, but I do a lot less that create its value. So that's one way that I look for it. So for a business owner who's capped out, usually what the reason it's capped out is the owner is going so fast themselves mm. that they that the they can't brute force the answer. Brute force is the wrong way to go. So I have to step back. Okay, if I had a little bit of time, what what's holding the business back? Where would I focus it? What's the opportunity that I'm not seizing right now because I'm so busy? Oh gosh, I'm so busy because I'm the one doing all the client work. I mean, I sell the, the jobs, I produce the jobs, I, I have to deal with the accounting and the collections. Great. Well, what's one part of that equation I could let go of and give to somebody else? What's one part of it I could systematize or template that could go faster? Is there a way that I... And I just start doing that sweet spot analysis. So oftentimes, for example, capacity becomes the, the, the second hurdle for a business that's trying to scale and the owner says, well, no one can do what I do. I hear it all the time. No one can do what I can do. And I used to say that myself. I, I built a coaching business prior. We were originally working with about 30 to 50 clients a year. At the end, we were working with 2,000 clients a year. I, I couldn't coach that many people. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So here's the weird part. I thought no one could coach as well as I could. Well, the results of clients got better when I was no longer coaching. And, and mm. you'd say, well, does, does that mean you had better coaches? No, I had great coaches, but I was able to focus on the structure of how we coached because I wasn't doing all the coaching. And when I did that, results started to improve because we created programmatic ways of improving. So usually that's what stops people. They're so busy doing, doing, doing on the production of their service or their product that they don't have capacity and I have to find places to let go of, so I'm doing less. Hmm. So who is your business coaching for? Is this for all levels of people? Is this for people who are growing a large company? Is this, what? what is it? And how do we know that you are, it's funny because I'm literally looking for somewhat of a business coach right now. And what I'm doing, I'm starting a new CPG company for um, an alcohol company. And it's just so extremely different from what 
um, I've worked in in the past, but you know, similarities, but extremely different. Um, and it's kind of in that place of, um, and also asking for everybody who's listening to this as well, early phase entrepreneurs, mid, you know, maybe mid phase entrepreneurs who have been in it three to maybe five years. And then myself, who's been an entrepreneur for like probably 10 years, but now moving into a completely different style or a completely different, um, um, area. So what, how do, how does your system work for all of those things? That's great. So generally speaking, we tend to work with what we'll call a middle stage business or, or someone starting to get a little bit above there. So we work with companies that are already profitable. We work with companies that are owner reliant, where the owner wants to scale, grow sales, grow profit, but also most importantly, wants to grow owner independence, wants to make the business more independent of themselves, which Mm -hmm. is what allows it to be scalable. So we generally, we don't tend to work with startups. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just not our our niche or specialty with that part. We have, we ever, of course, but that's just not who we focus. Generally speaking, we tend to work with clients that are probably half a million on the low end, all the way up to 20 plus million on the upper end. And, and, and again, our focus has always been, how can you grow the business, but also grow its independence from the owner? If someone wants to get a taste of that to learn how we approach it, I, I'd say the easiest way to do that would be to get a copy of, of one of the last books that I wrote, which was called Build a Business, Not a Job. And they can do that for free on our website, or they can get one of our other books you know, through Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any other places. But if it, if it really fits for them, they're going to be able to tell if the approach is what resonates with them, if it makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll share one last thing here. I know we're, we're heading toward the end here, Lori, but you had asked a question earlier, which was, how can I make sure that as I build this, I don't lose sight of you know, why I'm building this, if I have this ambitious goal, but not give up everything for it. And one of my business mentors, her name was Stephanie. I actually co-wrote Build a Business, Not a Job with her. She built her manufacturing business from scratch all the way up to and sold it for a significant amount of money, was a former chairperson of the National Association of Manufacturers, mm-hmm. um, just a phenomenal person, right? Her and her husband have been together for 50 years. They've raised their kids. She's just a good person. Mm-hmm. She said to me, David, when I make a decision, I, I ask three questions. What matters most? For the sake of what? And how much is enough? Mm-hmm. And so going back there, I had ambitions early on of building this billion dollar company. And then I had kids mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had a reality check for me. I, I want to have a massive impact on the world. I've already won the financial game, but I want to have an impact. But I know for me that how much is enough for the sake of what those answers are so clear in my mind, impact, creation, my family. Those are the values that I hold dearest. And that means that I want to work. But I also want to play with my family and, and I want to find for me that right balance point. I think anyone listening to this, mm. one question to ask yourself is what, what is the right balance point for you? What's your inventory of hours and what's your minimum vacation time you're going to take each year? And then how can you design a business that serves that? Regardless of how the business fares, whether it grows to be a million dollars or a hundred million dollars or more. You can still have an extraordinary life within that if I can build the business to what my parameters are. Mm. Man, that is such a... I just wrote those questions down. It's such 
an important thing to think about because we can have these goals and not realize what we are sacrificing for them. And you can wake up and realize that this was not the life you actually intended. So the dream that you had was to have that freedom or to have those, you know, that time with your family or whatever that looks like. And I've definitely woken up in one of those businesses where I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) I don't even know why or what I'm doing this for anymore. And this was not not the original goal. So I think that's Mm. so incredibly beautiful. What book would you recommend of yours? um, If we are looking to, is it your freedom formula book or is it the last one that you recommended if we're looking to get some of that time back and ask ourselves um, those questions and create systems? Great question. If I was a, a business owner, had an existing company, I would probably go with build a business, not a job. If I was working in someone else's business or if I was scaling a very large company, Freedom Formula would be the book that I would go with. Both are great, but the build a business, not a job is probably perfect for an entrepreneur who's got a company you know, from a few hundred thousand in sales up to a few million, then the Freedom Formula would probably apply even better after that point. Okay. Amazing. Do you have any last words that you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah. I, I guess my last comment here is how doable this is. I mean, I I love what you're approaching and what you're doing here, which is how can I find my heart's passion and make it a vibrant business and do it in the community of other people? It's so important. I know so many entrepreneurs who isolate themselves, especially when they struggle. There's embarrassment. There's a little bit of shame around that. Yes. We all need other people. Um, the times in my life where, where I found myself hiding were the times that I, I, I struggled, my business struggled the most. And what I've learned now is that when my business struggles, and, and all of us have struggles, I reach out to the people that I know and care about. So I love that you're building community around that of just incredibly empowered group of people. I think that that's great. So I would say connect, and I would say it is doable. I've watched so many different business people you know, that have been able to scale companies, none of whom went to, to Harvard for their MBA Um, These are all people who are just normal people who built an extraordinary business. It is absolutely doable. You don't have to to be in a high-tech company to be able to have an extraordinary business. Although if you are, that's great too. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times we have these cultural myths that, oh, I've got to be in my 20s in a college dorm room, ideally an Ivy League school or Stanford as I'm starting this business. That's the only way I'm going to be one of these big successes working, you know, building this. That's just not true. It's not true. You can do it so many other ways and it's so much more frequent for doing it in these ordinary mundane businesses that still serve the world in great ways. Mm. David, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom. I have a feeling I could probably have you on here for five hours and we would just (laughs) still be completely interested in learning so much. Um, I really, really appreciate you and valued all of this information. I know that you are a wealth of knowledge in so many different areas from Um, you know, even just looking through all of your things from level one to level two, three scaling um, massive businesses. So I think that you covered such a range here and uh, just so grateful for you. And where can we find you, follow you, and I believe get your books as well. Yeah, absolutely. So best website to go to would be MauiMastermind.com. That's our main one for our main coaching business, MauiMastermind.com. You can get build a business, not a job there. And actually on the site, you can get two chapters of the Freedom Formula for free also. And, and hopefully if you love it, you'll, you'll get the book. 
Uh, and then online, I, I would encourage people to join our Facebook community under Maui Mastermind. We've, we've got some really vibrant entrepreneurial business communities that people are helping each other. We've got some that are just for clients, but we have others that are open to everybody. And I think they do a great job serving each other. Ideas, um, support, accountability, you know, inspiration, all those things that every one of us needs. Mm. Thank you so much, David. And you guys, if you loved this podcast as much as I did, one of the most beautiful things that we can do for our guests is to tag them and let them know what your biggest takeaway was. David, what is your, do you have an Instagram handle? <laughs> it's a or great not? question. Actually, I don't. I, I, right now, I'm laughing at myself. I was talking with someone earlier today about that. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm about to turn 50. I'm a little old for that. I, I laugh. So no, I don't. But then through a website or through they Facebook. They're going to tag me and I'm going to let you know about all of the love that they poured <laughs> out onto you. So you guys, make sure you take the podcast and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. And David, I always reshare it so we can check out all the love on my page Thank of you. what everybody is learning from the podcast. So you guys, as you know, sharing is always the best way to help other people in your community as well. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you want to create on a course or webinar and bam, it just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're going to customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com.
Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community. And it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. 
That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring, and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori.